Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your show host, Christy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can also be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today, I'm really excited to be interviewing Dr. Kelly Bonoff who has 35 years of professional experience with countless generations of traumatized families as a PhD registered nurse, marriage and family therapist, nationally certified trauma and resilience therapist, certified legal nurse consultant, and co-founder of Josephine's Clinic, a nonprofit serving those who have experienced human trafficking and violence. That's a lot of expertise. But also through her personal, professional, and volunteer experiences, she discovered the key ingredient to healing trauma in children, adults, couples, and families, and is going to be releasing a book soon called Beyond Trauma Drama, Cultivating the Sacred Nature of Families to Heal. From her earliest childhood, she experienced a deep devotion to vulnerable children, teens, adults, and families. She expresses herself best through speaking and writing, sharing knowledge about the power that each of us has, not only to heal ourselves, but our children, relationships, families, communities, and the world. And I'm just so welcome. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, I'm a little tired hearing that front part. <laughs> um, a lot going on there for me. I was opening a lot of doors. I had a lot of questions. And uh, so I kept just getting letters behind my name. Um, yes. I thought I might as well get the letters while I was learning. Um, but the seeker. In and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. What what, what started, you, you said right from a child. So you've always been a seeker, obviously. What kicked off your seeking towards trauma? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to experience abuse and trafficking in childhood as the oldest child of four. And so from a really early age, I just had one question, which was, why is it that those um, children are hurt by those who are meant to love them and keep them safe? In other words, what was happening in my family of origin and so that, that question has driven the whole of my life. And so as I was taking care of three other siblings, I had three, actually I had three responsibilities at that time as a little girl. The first was to keep my mother healthy, which is why I became a nurse, um, to keep my siblings safe, which is where the, the criminal justice kind of nurse consultant came in and to keep my father happy. And that mm. was very important. So that's where the psychology came in and some other things. And so as I grew up, I, of course, had everything that most children would have as it relates to trauma, complex trauma, and the feelings that I had about myself. There are several times I didn't think I would live through my teens. Um, I, I really wanted to exit uh, life and the experience. I didn't understand at that time, though, that what I was doing is that I was accumulating knowledge and experience to be able to eventually write this book. And so as it all became clear, as I got to my teens, as I got married, as I had kids, as I got some education and all this kind of stuff, I did come finally uh, in my 50s to the corner of what I call adversity and anguish. Mm. It was across health, wealth, 
and relationships. So when all of those start to kind of collapse in on you at once, you know you're heading for something called the dark night of the soul. And I had no idea about that. I was just trying to answer this question through psychology and medicine and nursing and in my own personal experience and practice and through the nonprofit. And so when this dream happened, I really, from that moment on, I realized I was missing an important ingredient. And that was why the book at that time was born in that moment. And so that reborn rebirth was on March 20th of 21. So I've just been awake for a little while mm -hmm. to this other beautiful, uh, really the reality of life itself and what all of this journey for me has been about. So I wanted to share that with others um, to help them remember. That's amazing. You know, I, I saw something online today. It was a quote and it said, you will never be betrayed by a stranger. And when, when you talked about family and that, and I that really sort of hit home for me. And uh, as someone who has also suffered different trauma in her past and has become a healing coach myself, right? It's it's definitely a beautiful journey, but it is a, a bittersweet journey. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So welcome to your awakening. That's very exciting. So tell us a little more about, so your book is called Beyond Trauma Drama, Cultivating the Sacred Nature of Families to Heal. Tell us about the secret ingredient to healing family trauma. You know, it was it was there all along, even from my earliest memory. Um, it's something that I call sacred space. So I have this ability, little did I know, people come to me and tell me their darkest secrets. And whether it's a child or a teen or whoever, and then they say, they, they share with me, I've had so many strangers do this, particularly in airports, and they say, I have no idea why, why I'm sitting here talking to you. So I realized I had the ability early on to hold something called sacred space or love in a way that helped people feel better. Um, and so I, along, along the way, though, I didn't really hear the word sacred very often. I heard divinity, I heard holy, I heard a lot of things, but I didn't really hear sacred. And I got really comfortable with helping everyone else um, find their way. But the real journey for me was finding in a, the way to hold that sacred space for myself. In other words, that self-compassion, that self-forgiveness, that self-love. And so the secret ingredient then for me was remembering my sacred nature mm -hmm. and then allowing and then aligning and then ascending and then appre and appreciating that space. So the secret ingredient to healing ourselves and our marriages, our partnerships, our children, um, all of that echoes because we're vibrational beings. It just echoes straight out of our heart and into the world. So I was subconsciously using that gift my whole life. It's just that I never knew that it was a gift. I thought it was a protective mechanism, that dissociative part, which I believe are our angels kind of whipping us out of tough, tough situations, right? <laughs> so the secret ingredient is for families to discover, to remember, to appreciate, to align, and then to just love uh, the sacred nature. So the way I describe this is we are sacred beings on a spiritual journey in human form. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that really 
baked my my brain because I was I'm so academic and and logical and scientific and all of that was that this cast of characters, my mother, my father, and the four children, we had had meetings about coming in here and what we would discover individually, but then what was the mission for us as the six? And so I write through the book, those meetings of the six of us going, well, we tried this last time, but it didn't really work. One of us fell asleep, everybody fell asleep, everybody died before we remembered that we we're sacred beings. Do you want to try it again? And we'd be like, okay, we'll go in again because we're really just here to learn. So a lot of the karma business, a lot of the, we're in a, a, a cycle of some kind. This is what I finally figured out was the merry-go-round of survival for families. So some people call it kind of individually the karmic wheel, but this feels like the karmic wheel for families. And so I, I, I was finally able to discern that. And that's part of the book as well. Is how do you know if you're on the survival wheel? Because if you're on the mere ground of survival as an individual or family, then that's where you stay in this life. Now, when we're asleep, we, we, we saunter out into our sacred adventures all over the place. But when we're awake, we're in this reality and we feel it's a struggle. It's, it's scarcity. It's survival. And with our families and each other so overwhelmed and overburdened and overscheduled, that's why families and individuals and couples and communities are having such a hard time rediscovering, re-remembering who they truly are. So the secret ingredient is the sacredness of families. That is the secret ingredient. And once any individual family member begins to remember Christy, you would not believe what has been happening in the generations of my family once I remembered. It is the most amazing, miraculous, magical um, experience that I, that I could say. The healing that our family is going through, karmic themes of violence and addictions and, and abuse, and it's all, in, it's all dissolving in, in, against the force of love. There is nothing in this world that will stand, nothing. So I believe everything up to this moment, including this interview, is to help families remember their sacred beingness and the love that they truly are. And our families are ready, because I keep having dreams and visions of our families asking the question, what's going on with my family? What's going on with my family? And there are many people that are waiting for this answer. Mm -hmm. love is so powerful another favorite quote of mine is anything that does not end in love will repeat itself until it does end in love and so we talk about addictions and cycles and generational trauma I mean it's it's really again it's that lesson of compassion and some of us that have come through trauma like even myself I saw this in myself that um we talk about healing and helping others at first the intention wasn't good. It wasn't out of love. It was out of trying to earn love for myself. Like, well, you know, I'm damaged, but maybe if I help enough people, finally someone will see my worth. But it wasn't until I was able to turn the lens of self-compassion was I actually able to help with good intentions and hold that proper space for people, which you talk about that sacred space. So I think that's really beautiful. Really, Thank you for sharing that. So 
how do people recognize that they're on that merry-go-round of survival and what can they do to start transforming their life from survival to sovereignty where they have that sacred space? Yeah. So this took me a while to, to figure <laughs> out. So um, as I'm returning to my own childlike wonder, which I kind of missed at the beginning. So I think of everything as kind of uh, the playground of life. So there is an illustration in the book that it's a playground and it's seesaw related to our human and sacred nature and trying to keep that balanced and the monkey mind bars, right? And of course there is a uh, merry-go-round there. So the very first thing I noticed in my own life and in the lives of all of countless people that I've had the honor of spending time with, whether it was being at, I was a hospice nurse for a while. And, you know, so whether they, it was their first, first breath or their last breath. Um, I've had the honor of being there at those times. The merry-go-round begins even individually, but we're going to talk about families right now. You know, you're on the merry-go-round when you're keeping secrets about anything that happened to you in your family. Or let's say you had a great family life, but you're in a partnership with someone and that something's happening in there and you're keeping secrets about it. So that's the first step on the merry-go-round. The second is the shame that you feel about those secrets. And it's interesting because there's been a lot of work done on um, the vibrational frequency of fear. Mm. We're we're trying to get past the fear and then up, up the ladder into some of those higher level frequencies. But it's been my experience and what I believe in my heart is that shame is actually the the densest form of light because it's all light, but it's the densest form. And it's one of the most difficult emotions, I believe, to embrace. Um, So secrets and then shame, right? Well, now we're going to keep some silent. Now now we're going to keep silent. We're going to be silent about it. We're not going to tell anyone what happens. Right. And that leads us to our shadows. So our shadows are those parts that are really on that kind of heavier end of energy. We don't want to see them. We don't want to, you know, we we don't want to have anything to do with them. And in my lifetime as a child, our feelings were actually uh, not to be expressed or shared. So any feeling of sadness or judgment or guilt or whatever, anger, particularly anger, you better shut that down because otherwise there's going to be some, some action on the scene, as I, as I would like to say, and it wouldn't be pretty. So all of the shadows are in there. Then we get to status quo. One of the things that families and people do is they say, well, I just want to keep everything the same. I don't want to change. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. Status quo is good. Why is that? Because I know that when the energy of my whoever is coming toward me, um, I know what to do in this situation because I've already been here. Even if it's even if it's awful, you already know what's coming and you're able to brace yourself. And so you want to keep things status quo as much as possible, except for what I call flares. And then you kind of know it's coming and you brace for it and you get yourself through it, but then you go back to status quo. And that's what people kind of call this honeymoon period where, you know, something terrible happens and then it gets a little easier and everybody's sorry. And then you just wait for it to happen again. Then uh, sabotage, Okay, so that's our subconscious going, hello, you know, in our dreams or whatever, or it's the karmic cycle going, didn't quite learn that, so we're going to come back. So 
So you're feeling good, things are going well in your health and your wealth and your relationships, and you're like, oh, the angels are singing. <laughs> but part of you, part of you goes, wait, something bad is about to happen because it never lasts. The joy never lasts. The bliss never lasts. The 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 dreams never last. And so that's your subconscious that you hadn't had a chance to love yet is coming back and going in your ego right which is hello i'm driving the vehicle is coming back and going no no uh that sacred thing or that love thing that you're doing i'm feeling pretty threatened so we're going to sap this great idea or this great relationship or this or the fact that you've stopped drinking for 10 years and let's just have a drink just have a drink it's okay. mm-hmm. and then the, and that then that leads to the suffering so we have the secrets the silence the shame the shadows the status quo, the sabotage, and then the suffering. And when you're on that merry-go-round, then what I noticed is there's just another secret. There's just, it just gets layered on over and over again. And as generations of families, by the way, this families have been caught in this echo of evolution, which is what I call it, for millennia, for millennia. And the only thing that's going to move us into this next phase of fifth dimensional consciousness and love is we got to slow the momentum of this merry-go-round of survival. You got to know you're on it first. Many families don't even realize they're on it. So once you're on it, you choose. Well, do we want to stay on that or would we like to look at this differently? Now, I want to make a point here because there's a lot of people when I talk about this say, well, when do we get off of the ride? And I say, oh, you're not, you're not actually getting off the ride because life is this circle of life. Who doesn't love the Lion King? <laughs> and it, so we're circling. But what we're doing is we're now transforming it from secrets, right, to potentially serenity and shame, right? Um, so, so the whole merry-go-round, it doesn't stop spinning. It transforms into the higher frequencies of light. And so that's a very important point to make. So we're not getting off the ride. We're transforming the ride. And so the question is, are you on the ride? And if you are as an individual or as a couple or as whoever, what would you like to do? Because this is a free will realm. And so you can choose to do whatever you like. (laughs) And um, some choose to stay on the ride. That's what I notice. And what's important about that, if you choose to stay on, no harm, no foul, because your soul journey may be all about the ride into some of these heavier densities of emotions and learning and whatever. And then the other thing is, you may be the one in your family that is the contrast, that is, so there's no villain, there's no victim, there's only volunteers here. So if you see your, if you can see your family in this new paradigm, in this new way, oh, we're all volunteers. We're a bunch of badasses that came down here to experience life on earth. And we're trying to help ourselves and humanity just get to the next phase. Oh, that's a whole different thing. That that (laughs) is a whole different way of looking at it. So what I say is we're not broken. We're becoming the greatest expression of love we've ever known. Mm-hmm. That is what families are here for. And we just got bogged down after millennia of millennia and millennia and generation of generation generation into this density. 
And we got so far down that there was no way, because we're so surrounded by all of the systems and media and whatever that wants to keep us in fear and shame, we, we couldn't even consciously figure out a way. I couldn't, even with the education that I had, I could not find it, I could not find my sacred self in three-dimensional reality. If I had not had that dream, and I hadn't had the, what has happened since the dream, um, I wouldn't be talking to you. So it mm-hmm. came from the spirit side. It came from my sacred nature. So there's around is about does that make sense it totally does it totally does and I just I just keep thinking like of you know you said some people want to stay on the ride no harm no foul unfortunately sometimes they're very loud about we should all be on this ride at the same time (laughs) or you know come on the ride with me and you're like no I'm gonna do this ride right (laughs) so there there's that's healthy boundaries and that kind of thing but it's it's also the respect of everybody is on their own journey and on their own level of evolution. And it does have to come from inside them. We can model, we can lead by example, but until they feel it on the inside and they discover what they need, want, or are ready to be awakened to, that's that's when their journey will begin. It's We can't catalyze that for someone. We can only be a model. So when they're ready, they can follow that, correct? Correct. And the other thing is their soul already knows when they're going to come online or if they're going to come online, see that blueprints already in there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is there is a lot about my journey that I did not tell my family and my family of origin, my father and one of my sisters, we have been estranged for many, for years. And, but yet I changed my own frequency and even changing my frequency still changed the dynamic of what was happening in my, my father's life and in my sister's life. And really in the generations of our family, I'm getting calls now. You wouldn't believe what happened. We've had a chance to, and my husband and I have been very intentional about visiting the generations of our families together mm. and, and to hold sacred space intentionally and then seeing whether there would be transformation. Whether So it's not as if you actually have to share your um, sacred journey with your family at a reunion where the police are, you know, pulling up and everybody's got a coat because somebody, you know, who's got the bail money and, you know, everybody run. Like, <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you can sit there and have your, your yummy food and just hold your space, <laughs> your beautiful sacred secret, right? Yeah. You, you kind of, what I noticed is you, people are walking around going, how much pot are you smoking? What's going on with you right now? Right? And so, and then, then the door opens and then you say, all right, do you really want to know what's going on? And they'll say, yeah. And that's when you have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's the energy. So I call it the follow the yellow brick road. I just follow the lights. I just follow the internal nudges. And it took me a while to get my inner guidance system online because I had shut it down and didn't really even know about it. So these are the, these are the words and the energy of encouragement I just want to give to families is that, and, and when I say this, I know this will be hard for, for some to hear, but there is nothing that's serious going on here. We are loving sacred beings 
explorers actually on the leading edge of consciousness on earth <laughs> we're trying to gather as much information as possible the good the bad and the ugly and as we're doing it trying to wake up and remember basically embodying the sacred inside of us that's the game that we're playing so mm-hmm. the next time your mother-in-law or your daughter or your husband or wife or partner or whoever is getting on your last nerve <laughs> and you don't know whether you can take one more second of it, that's where we get into the question of now, what do you do? Now, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So we can talk about what you do when all that's going on. Uh, and something I do that, that works well for me that people can consider, but Does that make sense, kind of what I'm saying as it relates to your own lived experience? Absolutely. And thankfully, we have only had one family Christmas dinner that involved the cops. So in my lifetime, so that's good. (laughs) That's why I was sort of laughing. I'm like, we did have one of those Christmases, the big family get together. It was interesting. But but we laugh about it now. And I think there was so much healing in at first it was like, Oh, it's a dirty secret. But now we joke and laugh about it. And we become closer as a family because it's like secrets keep you sick. That's really what I like to say. But yeah. And thank you. Thank you for the call. And thank you for the lesson because that lesson wasn't about the person, the lesson, just about the person. The lesson was about the family. And that's the shift in the lens that I hope this book will bring to families. Mm-hmm. Is that we are here, look at it as a play or a movie. We're the creator. So if I'm the creator standing in the middle of my movie set, all I have to do is go, what have I created in health, wealth, and relationships? What do I see? And then you just curiously, lovingly, compassionately look at that and you go, hmm, I am so powerful that I'm creating cancer. Mm -hmm. I am so powerful that I'm creating poverty. I am so powerful that I'm creating uh, situations where divorce or separation or, you know, exit are necessary. And that, that to me was the biggest, like, that makes no sense to me at all. I created an experience of trafficking and abuse in childhood. Really? Is that what I, is that what I created? So I had to go back to that one because Mm -hmm. I thought, did I, did I get in there? Well, what I discovered was, and this is an optional uh, idea, which is my vibration at that time in the family that I choose to come in to learn from and with, was the vibration of vulnerability. That's what I call it. And so those who chose to be unkind, well, I'm going to call it unkind, unwise, and do unhealthy things, manifested in my experience. I, I unknowingly drew them into my experience, and yet every experience is important. So... Mm-hmm. The, the vibration of vulnerability is something in children that that's why I call it that. It's not that a child went, Hey, I'd love to sign up for this or that or the other. They obtained and began to vibrate in a frequency of vulnerability. And the law of attraction says we're going to attract 
than what creates more vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to look at that and to see that. So it's been my experience and I've worked with um, healers and, and I've had my own dreams about that experience. And I've asked my own guides, did I choose that? And you'll have to ask your own guides in, in every situation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Then um, you get your own love on that because it's different for everybody. Some people said, yeah, I actually do want to go and understand that. Why? Because I was actually in the last life, the person who was doing the harm. Yes. And so now you're going to need to experience it from the perspective of, of being harmed. Oh, darn. Okay, so <laughs> you don't want to, you know, and so you're like, oh, boy, I didn't think about it that way. So anyway, it just, this has been kind of this mind expanding journey for me. And yep. uh, it's really, it's really helpful. So would you like to go through, kind of do the three ways that I get my groove on? When someone is cutting you off in traffic or wind or... Yes, let's talk about your three healing ways. Yes, please. Yeah. (laughs) You're a little bit younger than me, but when I was young, and they may still... Oh, I'm not that much younger than you, I don't think, though. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So so when we were in school, um, they said, if anybody catches on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. Just stop, drop, and roll. And then all the years that I've, even in nursing, okay, that's not true. I did come up with someone on fire and we, there was a stop, drop, and roll situation. But when we were children, it's not like you were in third grade doing your math and somebody just walked by and they were on fire. Yeah. So stop, drop, and roll. So it occurred to me one day as these downloads come. And so what I call this is the stop, drop, and be. So when you start to feel this lower energy stuff coming up and you're starting to get really I call it passionately animated mm-hmm. I'm getting passionately animated about something so I stop in I stop in the moment I stop and be still just be still just stop and be still and I drop into my breath and I take three deep breaths Nobody has to know you're even doing it. You could be in a, could be anywhere, in a train station, an airport, and somebody's really like making you nuts and you're like, mm, it's stop, drop, and be time. But I don't need to call attention to myself. So it's stop, be still, drop three breaths, be in the moment, allowing that passionate animation, whatever you want to call it, to get its moment but you envelop, that's how I envelop whatever that is in, its, in my own sacred space. So I allow it. I don't shove it down anymore, but I allow it. And I stop, drop, and be for as long as is necessary. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've learned how to create sacred space for myself without the histrionic, dramatic, traumatic, so trauma drama, right, that everyone's addicted to. By the way, it's the most addictive thing on earth. It's more addictive than any substance. Trauma drama. We're all in love with it. Just woo, need more trauma drama. <laughs> that's how we that's how we coped because if somebody else is in trauma drama, I don't have to deal with my own. So that's why it's called beyond trauma drama. I'm not talking about trauma and I'm not talking about drama. I'm talking about them both at the same time. Absolutely. So, um, and so if anybody resonates with that just sit with yourself for a few minutes as the creator of your own movie and go trauma, drama, 
in my health, trauma, drama in my wealth, trauma, drama in my relationships. I wonder what that trauma, drama is helping me heal. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that trauma, drama is trying to love me through. I always like to see these things, like you said, as messages, as a compass, right? So if I'm feeling resistance that's and stress, what am I resisting? Um, what am I supposed to be receiving? What, where am I supposed to go? What do I actually want out of this? Right? Like there's, it's, it's just, it's, it's really, like you said, an indicator to just pause for a moment and be still breathe and just check in with yourself. Yep. (laughs) Working with children that really helped me heal was Mm -hmm. if I was feeling shame was triggered even to this moment by let's say now I know what shame feels like before I didn't know what any of the feelings were then I would visualize my little girl with a little t-shirt on that reads shame. And as the adult, I would be sitting on a bench in a beautiful park and I'd put my arms out and little Kelly with shame or anger or blame or worry, fill in the blank, guilt. I would open my arms to her in my visual and she would come to me and we'd sit and I would rock and hum and sing, and then she would just uh, dissolve straight into my heart. Yes. What, what I would notice about that particular um, thing, I've never seen that written down anywhere. It's, it's in the book. But what that really helped me with was that inner child trust. And um, to trust myself was probably one of the greatest lessons I have learned in this lifetime. So, um, yes, I think I've said, I don't like the term I told you so, but I'm like, I told me so. I told, I knew this was going (laughs) to happen. I told me so, right? So, anyways, (laughs) self inner guidance. So, so those are some of the very quick, easy things people can do in a practical way to manage their passionate animation. I love it. And that's just part of being human, right? It's, we are going to have, we're going to have these emotions. It's not about the extinguishing of quote negative emotions. I don't think anything is negative, but it's, it's, it's just about how to respond in the moment. And what is the message, right? Right. How to love, in, how how to to love. into its sacred space. Yes. Which is, the emotion is as sacred. The ego is as sacred as any other part of you. And that's so in psychology and in some of the other therapeutic models, you know, that's where I think I, where the rubber hit the road for me. I, in fact, I'm not in clinical practice right now because uh, the, what I was practicing was not resonant with what I believe would truly heal people for their lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, you can help people through crisis, but I kept sending children home, traumatized children home to the same home. It's very difficult to get traumatized families into a room. So what do we do? There's something we had to be able to do. And, um, and now I know it's, it's, so we are heading toward this just occurred to me yesterday while I was brushing my teeth, Chrissy. So hot off the press. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. are you ready hot ideas. I am. I am. You heard it first. Quantum family therapy. Mm-hmm. Quantum. Working with the spirit side of families and the energies there, because we're, we're already, at um, 
what we call a reunion uh, mm -hmm. of souls when we sleep, should we choose? So what would that look like, like NCIS, Denozo's campfire? I love NCIS. So what if I call the campfire of my mother, my father, myself, and my three siblings right now at night tonight? Actually, I've been doing that. And I ask, how are things going for everyone? Everybody had their own mission. What is our mission about? How, how is how's that going? How can we support one another? So if we can't get our families on the physical side in a room, we can get them in the quantum campfire. Mm, I love that. And I, I believe, that. and I believe that we can, we can uh, begin then to see the love we wish to see in the world. That's, that's the vision I have is that all families understand and know they are one sacred family. I love that. Thank you for sharing. When will your book be available, Kelly? Well, it's unfolding and evolving. I have, uh, it's interesting because I really thought it would be finished by now. And what I've learned is I had more healing to do. I had more traveling to do for my own family. Mm -hmm. More information that needed to come in about this quantum idea. Yes. So right now, um, the divine synchronistic orchestrated timeline looks to be in 2023. Beautiful. But so coming soon to a bookstore near you. I still believe in those, by the way, bookstores. Yes, me too. I do love bookstores. Actually, my children love bookstores. We go often and wander around and leaf through books. And it's great. It's wonderful. So we're running out of time. And uh, we're going to make sure your website, One Sacred Family, is listed in the show notes and all your links so people can follow you on social media. Is there any last thoughts you'd love to share with the audience before we, we finish up? Well, I'm not sure when this will be aired, but we're heading toward Christmas time and New Year's. And what I wanted families to know and to, to just stop, drop, and be. And gratitude for self, for those you love, is the highest level of vibration next to pure positive energy and love. So families, when you look in your mirror for yourself, remember you're sacred. And when you're at the dinner table with anybody else, remember they are too. Mm -hmm. Beautiful words to remember. Thank you so much, Dr. Kelly, for being with us on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.